Hello and welcome to Socialism, the podcast from the Socialist Party. Today we've got, again, something a little bit different. A few weeks ago, a huge protest engulfed Glasgow around the COP26 protest. And we in the Socialist Party, along with our sister organisation in Scotland, Socialist Party Scotland, were there intervening, arguing for social change to end climate change, both on the school strike demonstration on the Friday, but also the huge demonstration that occurred on a Saturday. Over 20,000 people marched on Friday and over 100,000 on the Saturday. And after the Saturday event, we had a fantastic meeting. For 60 to 70 people attended in Glasgow to hear just some of our ideas, our programme, to win people to the idea that we need social change to combat climate change, but also to end the devastation that capitalism is inflicting on ordinary people as well as the environment and the world. So this is just a recording of that event and hopefully you'll enjoy it and learn a bit and again as always if you're interested in the ideas that you hear some of the points that are raised don't hesitate to get in touch and enjoy the pod okay comrades a warm welcome to everyone here today to our meeting on the need for a socialist change to solve the climate crisis my name's Linda McEwen and I'm the branch secretary for the West of Scotland branch of the Socialist Party Scotland. We did have three speakers along today, but we've had one apology. We were supposed to hear from Lynn Marie. She was from the Glasgow Unison branch. And although she's not here, I think it is important still to make a mention that she played a key role during the 2018 eco-pay strike, which secured a £500 million deal for the mainly low-paid women care workers of Glasgow, which represented a massive transfer of wealth to working-class families across the city and was a heroic victory for the workforce. And then we will hear from Matt Best. He's the Socialist Party England and Wales organiser and NC member and who's part of the CWI, which is the Committee for a Workers International. Mark came up from London to assist with our intervention at COP26 this week, and he will explain why it's important we build an international movement to tackle the climate crisis. After that, we'll hear from Matt Dobson. Matt's the Socialist Party Scotland organiser, and he will outline basically the abysmal record of the SNP, the Greens, and all the capitalist parties in Scotland who meekly pass on Tory cuts, which are causing so much misery for working class families and impacting the climate so detrimentally. There's a huge contrast between the Glasgow that's been portrayed in the media as host of COP26 and the reality for thousands of its citizens. Poverty is rife. George Square that's been filled with protesters over the last week at night becomes a food kitchen for the homeless and poorest. Drug deaths remain at record levels for the third year running and more than a quarter of children in Scotland with at least one adult in employment lives in poverty. All of this is happening whilst the top richest people in Scotland have seen their wealth increase by 20 million in just a decade. The richest 10% own 44% of the wealth whilst the top 1% own more wealth than the poorest 50%. So how could a socialist trans transition work here in Scotland and what is the way forward for workers and youth? So I'm going to pass you on to Mark now. Great, well thanks for having me and thanks everyone for coming to this meeting after what has been a wet and rainy day. But I hope that everyone has come out of the protests that they've been today and yesterday feeling enthused. because. What we've seen yesterday and today, and at the climate strikes and other protests which there have been over the last number of years, is massive anger boiling up and bubbling to the surface. Massive anger at the way that the world is run at the moment. Massive anger at the capitalist system. This is a system which cannot provide us with any type of future. A future which has decent jobs for young people, decent homes, decent wages and can't even provide us with a planet which is not going through extreme weather events and is heating up as we speak. And that anger, I think, is being directed by a lot of people on the demonstrations against the capitalist system. And at the moment, just down the road, the capitalists, the representatives of their interests, the bosses and their politicians are meeting 
at the COP conference. Desperate they are to be seen to be doing something about the climate catastrophe. Desperate to be seen not to be destroying the planet every day. Now, this morning, the Financial Times, which is a newspaper which sort of represents some of the sort of the thinking elements of the bosses, even they said that all that is coming out of COP is a load of hot air. They're desperate to be seen to be doing something. They're scared of the impact that inaction will have both in terms of being seen to be incapable of providing us with a planet to live on, but also scared of the implications of mass droughts, mass weather events, mass migration due to the world heating up and so on. They're scared that that will mean that masses of people will start to draw the conclusion that if capitalism can't provide us with a future, then we can't afford the capitalist system. We'll start to look beyond the way things are organised now and as they say, the pitchforks will be coming for them. So even the Financial Times, people who are sort of representative of the sort of more far-reaching capitalists are annoyed that nothing is coming out of it. Now, what is that hot air? That hot air so far has been non-binding agreements so that the capitalists, if they feel that they have to in the search for a profit at a later date, can get out of it and withdraw it like Trump did with the Paris Accords a few years ago. They've agreed to stop investing in coal. Many countries have agreed to stop investing in coal internationally whilst continuing to rely on it to power their own countries. Now, that incredibly modest set of pledges, which there's a massive question mark over whether any of those pledges will be fulfilled, is a drop in the ocean compared to what is actually needed. They've said that what is actually necessary to prevent catastrophic climate change is $800 billion a year of investment in renewables, new technology and infrastructure and so on. Now, $900 billion a year is a lot, it's a big number. But to put that in perspective, the GDP of the US is 21 trillion. So you can see compared to the massive amounts of profit which is being made across the world, that that is something which could be achieved. But the capitalists won't do that. Why? Because the capitalist system it rests on bosses making a profit through the exploitation of workers, doing everything that they can to enrich themselves as much as possible whilst they expect working class and young people to suffer. The only action they take is stuff that they're forced to because they're scared of us getting organised and fighting for it. And you can see the inadequacies of the solutions which they are putting forward. One of the big things which has been at the COP is the idea of a net zero. What does that mean? Net means that you do something and then you take it away. So what they're putting forward is to continue polluting, to continue pumping fossil fuels, CO2 into the atmosphere, but then at the same time to plant a couple of trees and to undo it. Well, of course, that won't be enough in order to avoid climate chaos. Already, before there's been an explosion of these schemes, there are places in the world where you know five or six different companies paying for the same tree to be built in order to offset some of their own pollution. You can see the inadequacies of a system which is based only on the need for profit and not rationally planned for what we all need. Because capitalism, as we've said in our leaflets, as we've made clear in our slogans and on our posters, Capitalism is incapable, the way the world is organised as it is now, is incapable of preventing environmental catastrophe. And it's not just because we're socialists, so therefore we don't like capitalism. It's based on the way that the world is organised as it is now. Capitalism is organised based on competing nation-states, competing countries, where their capitalists will try and make as much profit as possible to compete on world markets, to sow up as much wealth as they can get. But of course, climate change is a global problem. You know, there could be one place which goes completely green, say Scotland, England, Wales, all of it goes completely green. We have full renewable energy, you know, even taking carbon dioxide out with the massive amounts of trees we're producing. That would be a hit to all of those capitalists which are currently making a profit. And where are they gonna go? If next door, say, France said, well, I'm not picking on France, just as an example, but if France said, well, look, if you come here, you can pollute as much as you like, 
will scrap as many environmental laws as possible, come in and make as much of a profit as you can. You can see how that on a global scale will continue to destroy the environment, will continue to pump CO2 into the atmosphere to continue to heat the planet. And it's that competition and lack of plans system which is driving this. Now, those pledges which I've already said have been completely inadequate for what will happen. If all of those pledges were done, all of the different countries you know, stopped investing in coal and so on, that would limit the average rise to 1.8 degrees Celsius. But what would that mean? That would mean still places of the planet becoming inhabitable for people. It will mean famines, it will mean drought, it will mean more of the once-in-a-lifetime weather events which we saw over this summer becoming once a year. So even that will create massive amounts of misery, of people forced to move, forced to pick, to you know, destroy their lives in order to find somewhere where they can feed themselves and can live. And I think that even just on the effects of that warming, you can see the need for a different society and what we think that society needs to be is a socialist society. A socialist society based on workers, the working class, drawing up a democratic plan of production so that instead of producing and investing in what makes a profit for a few at the top, we can discuss and debate out what is actually necessary, what do we want, how can we improve the lives of all of us, how can we eradicate hunger, how can we eradicate poor housing and so on, whilst at the same time not destroying the environment. And it's only the working class globally coming together, drawing up a global plan of production on a democratic basis that that will be possible. And that will unlock all of the many different new technologies and number of different avenues which are there but are unable to be fully used by the capitalist system. Just as an example, even just in the Sahara Desert, you can build solar power based on running turbines which can power the majority of Western Europe. And the capitalists could do that today, they could do that tomorrow, but why don't they? Because they don't want to have to compete with another powerful block on the world scale. They don't want to create another OPEC like they have in the Gulf with the oil producing states there. But on the basis of socialism, we're not competing against each other. We're working together in order to plan what we actually need. But I think what's key, and I think what I'm gonna end on, is what program do we put forward? How do we fight for that? It's all very well and good to say we need socialism, but at the end of the day, anyone can do that. We need to get organised and we need to fight for it. And I think if you've read our leaflets, if you've seen our material, what we're putting forward is working class organisation. That the working class here and internationally has the power to be able to run society on a democratic basis, on a socialist basis. And that we fight for any gain for the working class in the here and now, but we link that to the need for a socialist transformation of society. We fight for increased working class organisation, for mass workers' parties armed with a socialist programme which is necessary to deal with what is the problems which face us. We're part of every working class struggle that we can, whether that's in communities or in the unions. And within those, we fight for a socialist programme, fighting for a programme, what is necessary to win any gains but key, what is the programme to unite the working class and young people? And what is going to happen coming out of the COP conference? What is going to happen is that the capitalist class are going to expect us to pay for the climate crisis, both in terms of the effects of environmental destruction, but also in the form of carbon taxes, road prices, and so on and so forth. And we have to say, we're not going to pay for it. Those at the top, the bosses, are responsible for this mess and we're not going to pick up the bill. Whether that is, as I said, increased taxes, lowering wages or even whole industries being shut down, we're not prepared to pay for that. And that's why we fight for united, collective, working class struggle. Matt's going to talk about the struggles that they've been here within the unions and the strike actions that they've been. But you compare that, you know, bin workers, cleansing workers been able to, you know, shut down really worrying the council through their strike action. You compare that to some of the sort of the, uh, tactics which are focused on individuals taking their own actions 
uh, such as you know, Extinction Rebellion and the Insulate Britain. Actions which can often divide workers, put them off taking action on climate and don't actually put forward a programme which will be able to win real change. And that fight for socialism and for working class struggle is not just going to happen here, but it's going to happen internationally. As I've already said, the climate crisis is an international problem. It's already causing food insecurity, which is leading to revolutions and mass movements across the world. You look at the events which are happening in Sudan over the past few weeks, in which there's mass movements against the military coup. Those mass movements were caused in part by food insecurity linked to famines and crop failures. And the Committee for Workers International, the CWI, which I'm a member of, the Socialist Party of England, Wales and Socialist Party of Scotland are members of, is an international organisation building socialist organisations all across the world, wanting to draw the lessons that there are from working class struggles and inspiration from them, fighting for you know, socialist change across the world. And just to finish, the German revolutionary Rosa Luxemburg said that what we're facing is socialism or barbarism. And that is what the situation which is facing millions of people across the world. I think if you want to fight for a socialist world, then I think that you should think about joining us in the CWI. So thanks very much. much Mark, that was really good. You know, as Mark said, the capitalist class are going to come after us. We've already seen it during the pandemic with the end of furlough, which remember was a 20% pay cut, rising food prices, rising gas prices, and you know they're taking away the universal credit uplift, so made that point really well. I'm going to pass you on now to Matt Dobson, and he's going to speak a little bit about trade unions and the strikes and stuff. Thanks Linda, thanks to just to say, I mean, I think the turnout today on the demonstration and yesterday as well, when you had tens of thousands of people on the climate strike, you know, is extremely significant. What's also significant is that the Socialist Party's slogan of socialist change to end climate change got a response from thousands of mainly young people on both of these demonstrations. We have hundreds of people that have signed up for more information on our ideas and on socialism. And obviously there's probably a whole section thousands of people who for this week it was their first ever demonstration and also as well the people in here today this is your first ever socialist party meeting and what it shows is a radicalization in society of young people and also the working class and is that surprising given the events of the last 18 months with capitalism being exposed as utterly rotten with 10 million dead internationally with the coronavirus pandemic and all of us and our families suffering with the lockdown, with the job losses and with the cuts that Linda and Mark referred to. Of course, why wouldn't you be radicalised by COP26 down on the Clyde? Working class and young people have been utterly excluded from the summit, literally with the blue zone being set up around the Scottish Exhibition Centre. We've had thousands of police on the streets and when young people on Wednesday merely tried to march down towards the SEC, they were kettled for five hours in the freezing cold. This summit is really a sham. Obviously there are scientists and genuine people involved in the summit, but those who've organised it, as Mark eloquently explained, have absolutely no interest in taking the decisive action which is needed to really combat the climate crisis. And we have to be absolutely honest, and we understand the illusions of young people and workers as well in this city, seen you know, in May with the vote for the Greens and the SNP. But what have the SNP and the Greens been doing this week? They've been down at COP, whining and dining with the likes of Biden and with the likes of the capitalist leaders. And okay, they were on the demonstration today, but we have to say that they don't have solutions as well in terms of what is needed. And as Mark was saying, we want to build a mass movement, but a mass working class movement. And what does that mean? It means the energy of young people and the climate strikes, which we've seen since 2019. And we welcome that mass movement in the Committee for Workers International, internationally, with millions of young people across the world taking action with the climate strikes. We want to have a dialogue and a debate and a discussion. 
and Mark raised the criticisms of Insulate Britain and Extinction Rebellion. We can have a discussion about that tonight, but the reason why we oppose maybe small groups of people taking action that alienates working class people blocking roads and whatever without discussion is that we think there are more effective methods for challenging and forcing defeats out of the capitalist class. And that's what we mean by a working class movement. Also, as well as the COP protests, we've heard the voice of the working class in this city this week with the bid strikes and with the other industrial disputes that are going on. Lynn Marie sends her apologies and her best wishes to the meeting. But just to flag up, Linda raised about the victory in 2019, where three quarters of a billion pounds was won by a 48-hour mass strike of low-paid workers, including mainly women. And there are comrades here today like Brian, Colin and Chris who play a leading role in the Unison branch just down the road that played a leading role along with the GMB union in organising that mass strike. But just a couple of years later, we have the council, the SNP council now saying that they're going back on that deal and that thousands of workers have not received their money. And there's a ballot on at the moment around equal pay. And we'll see, quite likely in the new year, unless that issue is resolved, the power once again of those low-paid workers. But obviously this week, since Monday, we've had the shutdown of the cleansing services in this city with the bin strikes organised by the GMB and also solidarity action taken by not just bin staff but other people in the cleansing depots. That's a key dispute that is still going on until Monday. And that's related to the poverty pay offer from the Scottish Government and council workers across the country. That's the issue on which the workers were balloted. But we all know that the strike is about far more than that. It's about the suffering and the austerity that has been inflicted on this city by the Tories in Westminster, but passed on by Labour up until 2017 when the right-wing Labour Council ran Glasgow and now the SNP. Several hundred million pounds worth of cuts, including in cleansing the reduction of 1,500 cleansing workers down to 800. The rats, a million rats across the city, encouraged by the waste crisis. And the SNP leader of the council, another greenwasher, Susan Aitken, says, it's our responsibility as citizens to deal with the rubbish, not the people that we pay the council tax rates to in terms of the council. But how can waste, waste be disposed of properly when you have the poor, cramped housing that thousands of people in this city, including young people, suffering rent, hikes and rent rises uh, living in tenement flats. And you have the, the obscene situation, along with COP and all the corporate lobbyists. You have the gentrification of large areas of the city with multinational companies moving in, like the company that runs the student accommodation in Cathedral Street, where you know, it's supposed to be luxury student accommodation, and the students are having to move out because the conditions are so poor, while being charged up to around about 200, 300 pounds a week. That obscene private speculation, which has been allowed to go on by the SNP council. And of course, the bin workers have walked out, a solid strike across the city, the Solstice Party Scotland has been on the picket lines every day supporting the bin workers. Our bulletins got into all the depots. And it's a welcome development, by the way, that the climate strikers, that young people have joined the picket lines as well. And that is a start, maybe, of the climate movement adopting the correct methods of the workers' movement in terms of what needs to take place. Because what we think, flowing out of the movement that's taken place around COP26, is that the climate strikes need to be escalated. In reality, what does that mean? It means linking up with the workers' movement. It means linking up with the trade unions, with the shop stewards. And we marched together on Friday, the GMB bin workers, after the climate strikers went to the picket lines, the GMB workers came on the march and marched along with the climate strikers. But it's not just about marching together. It's about discussing together and organising together in democratic committees, on a mass basis, on a national and international basis, and organising strikes on that basis, not just on the issue of the climate, but on all issues, on the issue of rent, on the issue of mass youth unemployment, on the issue as well of tuition fees and of privatisation and student debt, all the conditions and the oppression that young people face, linking up as well with the explosive Black Lives Matter movement that took place just last summer and all the struggles against oppression. And that is why Greta Thunberg and why we've seen with the climate strikes, well, there's been such inspiration from that. And of course it chimed, didn't it? When she spoke in Govan 
and she said, whatever they are talking about in there, because in reality, down at the SEC this week, they have no interest in providing us with a decent standard of living, let alone saving the environment with jobs, homes and services. And on the bin depot in Norshong on Friday, when we went down, the bin workers said, good on Greta for saying that. And they said that that chimed with them because that's how they feel about the management in Glasgow City Council and the councillors and the Scottish government and the Tories as well. So that's what we mean by a mass working class climate movement. But it also relates to what Mark was raising about a political programme. What do we put forward in terms of what is needed? What does socialist change really mean in terms of Scotland? Because in reality, we have an economy, a capitalist economy in Scotland that is dependent on North Sea oil. It's dependent on fossil fuel extraction. With over 100,000 workers directly affected by the fortunes of the oil price. And every time the oil price is crashed, every time capitalism gets itself into a crisis, who is it who pays? It's not the oil bosses who don't pay the taxes, it's ordinary working class people and the likes of Aberdeen on the west coast of Scotland and the North Sea as well. And their tens of thousands are laid off and have to go and sign on in the unemployment office. The oil and gas industry is about insecurity, it's about a race to the bottom. And as we've seen historically, you know, with the huge industrial accidents that have taken place, like Piper Alpha, like the downing of the Puma helicopters with workers travelling to work. So they cannot be trusted, the oil companies, the oil multinationals. And in reality, the British capitalist class and the capitalists in Scotland have used North Sea oil really as a safety valve since the discovery in the late 1970s, particularly Thatcher with unemployment. And in reality, that has not benefited ordinary working class people in Scotland. It's no surprise that in Energy Voice there was a survey of oil and gas workers saying that 70% are fully in favour of a transition where they would be guaranteed jobs, guaranteed better wages, better conditions in new green renewable energy. And that's our position. We call for a socialist transition, a working class led transition. Because if it's in the hands of the multinationals, if it's in the hands of the Tory government, and of the SNP, and that's what the North Sea Transition Agreement means, by the way, that's already in place, you're relying on private companies. What it will mean is wage cuts, austerity, and hundreds of thousands of workers unemployed. And that's why the Scottish Tories are whipping up opposition to the climate movement. And the SNP and the Greens and Scottish Labour are not able to answer that because they're reliant completely on the capitalist model. And that's why, as well, we've seen the stinking hypocrisy, quite frankly, over the Cambo oil field. Not just the Tories, but also Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP. There are thousands of young people marching through Glasgow this week with Stop Cambo. And in reality, that's what you know needs to happen. If you're gonna develop and excavate new oil fields, then how can you solve the climate crisis? And we're opposed to the Cambo oil field. But Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP are not willing to stand up to the Tories on this issue. The SNP historically have always been tied to big oil. They've never called for the nationalisation of oil and gas. When Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos Grangemouth held a gun to the workers' heads, the trade unions' heads in 2013, and said, you have to accept cuts to your pension, pay and trade union rights, otherwise I'm shutting the plant. The SNP leadership, the Scottish Government leadership, didn't call for the nationalisation of that oil refinery. They argue not for oil companies to pay taxes, but they argue for tax breaks. They lobby in Westminster for tax breaks up until recently for oil companies. In reality, the SNP leadership posed in front of young people caring about the climate. And Canberra will go ahead. That is the reality, unless there is a mass movement of young people and the working class in Scotland to stop it. And in reality, we disagree with some elements of the climate movement who say that oil workers and gas workers do not have a role to play in the struggle. They have, in a sense, the most important role to play because of their relationship with production and the industrial power that they have. But a workers' transition, a socialist transition, would guarantee the jobs, guarantee the terms and conditions, but move away towards green, renewable energy on a publicly owned basis. And of course, there's massive potential for that in Scotland with hydropower, with wind turbines, and all of the other natural resources that exist. But instead what you have is the manufacture of wind turbines in Scotland being shut down by the bosses and moved abroad to the likes of China and the Far East because of lower labour costs. And the SNP government 
the Scottish Government and the Tories allowing that to happen. And that is the reality, as we saw with Bifab a few years ago in Fife and elsewhere in Scotland. So we cannot control what we don't own. That is the reality of the situation. We have to take over, as Mark said, the top 150 companies that dominate the Scottish and British economy. And when we talk about nationalisation, we mean socialist nationalisation. Not the nationalisation of ScotRail, which is taking place this spring. When the SNP had taken over ScotRail because of the failure of privatisation and the Abellio franchise. But rather than expand the railways and invest in the railways, have a greener form of transport, the SNP planning and the Scottish Government is planning to cut the number of services, to cut the number of staff. And obviously we saw last week the pay deal and the deal around conditions with rail workers and the rail trade unions. But that was really only because of the potential, and it relates to what Mark was saying, about the power of the organised industrial working class. Because if the RMT had gone ahead with the strike and the deal hadn't been reached, then COP would have caused even more chaos than what it has caused this week, because the whole of the rail network would have been shut down. So in reality, the Scottish Government was forced into a deal. But real socialist nationalisation, be under the democratic control of the working class, with workers in the workplace having direct control over decision making, about production, about the allocation of resources, and about how to operate a socialist planned economy, with obviously input as well from the socialist government of the day, and also consumers and service users and the wider working class community. And that would be our position. Not just oil and gas, not just transport, but the major banks, the major big industries in Scotland and Britain. That's what we mean by socialism. And if you had that, you'd have the economic basis, an end to capitalist exploitation. Because that is the reality of the situation. Capitalism is a system based on exploitation and on profit. How can such a system, such a short-term objective of extracting the maximum level of exploitation out of working class people, possibly make a decision based on a just transition, despite what many of them say this week, including the likes of Joe Biden. How can there be a Green New Deal when capitalism sold us for 300 years, in reality, the same rotten deal over and over again, with working class people and young people paying the price again and again for their disasters that they create? That's why we have to have a socialist transition. A socialist transformation of society, not just in Scotland and in Britain, but across the world and internationally. And I'll finish on this point, that there's a new generation of workers, of young people coming into struggle. And I would urge you know, people today to think about joining the Socialist Party Scotland and the Committee for a Workers International. Why? Because you've come to this meeting today because we were the ones that raised socialist change to end climate change. That is a slogan that is necessary to raise at the moment. We were the only ones who raised it, the only people on the demonstration putting that forward boldly. We also were the only ones to call for really a socialist and workers-led transition. It's our party on Tuesday playing a key role in organising the National Shop Stewards Network Workers' Transition Forum on Tuesday, discussing across all sectors of the economy, including transport, oil and gas, about how a workers' transition would work. And that's online on Zoom, and you can get details from us on the leaflet. It's also us alongside the RMT Trade Union that is calling for a real political alternative to the parties of cuts, the SNP, Labour, the Greens and the Tories. And we are saying in Glasgow, because it's going to be elections in May, and who's going to stand for opposition to all cuts? Who's going to stand for real policies that can really combat environmental destruction in our city? Who is going to call for public ownership of the bus network in Glasgow? Because while the COP26 delegates got free transport all around the city, unaffordable bus fares for ordinary working class people. And it's no wonder that Glasgow has the highest rate of air pollution, not just in Scotland, but one of the highest in Europe because of the motorway that runs through the city and also because of the lack of adequate public transport. And that'll be a key policy that we put forward. And what we're calling for is working class fighters in the communities to stand in every ward in the council elections. And we've got a conference on the 27th of November, the Scottish Trade Union and Socialist Coalition, Socialist Party, the RMT Trade Union, and also anyone who wants to stand in a consistent anti-cuts programme can join that position. But we're not just about the question of the workplace and, and elections, but also about fighting to change the world. As Mark was saying earlier, the Committee for Workers International, where we have comrades, 
that are demonstrating today, well, not just today, but are fighting the results of horrendous climate change from India to Sri Lanka to Latin America, that are at the forefront of the struggle in those countries, putting forward the same programme. Marx and Engels, over 100 years ago, they referred to the common ruination because the capitalist class is so short-sighted, they'll drag the world into the abyss unless we have a socialist transformation of society. Now they were talking about a lot of things with common ruination. You could apply it to climate change, you could apply it to the pandemic, but we don't have any common agenda with the capitalist class. We have fundamentally different interests. And the new generation and the working class now will need to draw the political conclusions about the need for a socialist transformation of society. Is socialism or barbarism in many ways in terms of the relationship with the climate crisis? So I'll finish there. Much, Matt, that was brilliant. So this part of the meeting now is open to yourselves. Um, if you've got any questions, just wave your hands and um, we'll bring you in. Um, so, yeah, if you've got anything you want to ask, anything about socialism, about capitalism, about the climate, if you want to make a contribution. Okay, if there's no one else who wants to ask a question of that, I'm going to just ask both the speakers to just quickly sum up and we'll start with Matt. Well, I think it's been a, you know, an excellent discussion in terms of the points that's been raised. Something I forgot to include in my introduction was the question of the struggle around democratic rights in Scotland, the right to self-determination. As we saw on the demonstration today, there was a pro-independence <laughs> block. There's a section of obviously that mass feeling in Scottish society, the most radicalised workers and young people that look towards independence as a way out of austerity and also the climate crisis as well. But even under an independent Scotland, we can't control what we don't own, and which is why Socialist Party Scotland stands for an independent socialist Scotland as part of a voluntary democratic socialist confederation with workers and the working class people in England, in Wales and in Ireland as a step towards a worldwide socialist confederation with a worldwide socialist plan which could really solve the climate crisis. But just like what we said today, Jim and other comrades raised, it's mass working class struggle that can solve the climate crisis. It's mass working class struggle as well that can defeat austerity and win victories for the working class. And the question of self-determination is no different. We cannot rely on the SNP, pro-capitalist leadership of the independence movement, to effectively confront the Tories and Boris Johnson and the British ruling class, the British capitalist class, who are hell-bent on refusing the right to self-determination. Some of the people in this room will remember the mass politicisation in society in the 2014 independence referendum, the two demonstrations in Glasgow this week, the last demonstration of a similar size was the independence demonstration in January 2020, which the comments will remember was the same weather conditions as we had today. But what has happened since then with Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP leadership? How since then have they confronted the Tories over the issue of self-determination? In reality, the question has been kicked down the road. They're not prepared to build a mass working class movement for the right to a second independence referendum. They're not prepared to mobilise working class people and young people on the streets. And it also doesn't just fall to them, it falls to the leaders of the labour movement, the trade union leaders as well. I'm proud to say that we have in this room as well today trade unionists, a minority, who stood up against the trade union leaders' capitulation this week over the local government payoff with a below inflation rise that was offered by the Scottish government. The likes of Jim, Brian and Colin who stood up as a minority in unison in Glasgow City Unison rejecting the pay deal. How can it be possibly trust this government, the Scottish government, in terms of nearly 15 years now of passing on Tory austerity, of passing on Tory pay freezes, of not standing up for the democratic rights of working class and young people in Scotland. Is an independent capitalist Scotland going to stand up to the oil companies and to the banks, the same people who threatened to leave with their wealth and money in 2014 when a yes vote was threatened? In reality, we need the same political programme applied to the climate movement would also apply on the question of independence if such a referendum was won. We'd still have to nationalise the main levers of the economy and that's the reality of the situation. And just to finish as well on some of the other points that were raised about the nature of a workers' transition, the historic opportunities, the irony of the SEC's summit and the COP26 summit taking place on the Clyde, 
where there was mass deindustrialization with the utter destruction of the shipbuilding industry and the question of the anniversary this year of the upper Clyde shipbuilders who you know, took over their workplace when the bosses and the government at the time threatened mass redundancies and, and obviously had the work in and the mass movement and the general strike that took place in this city that goes along with the very good points that Tom made and Chris as well about the examples. Working class people have shown many examples to the capitalist class as to how they can run society better. Look at the closure of the Cali Rail Yard in the north of Glasgow, which the SMD government did nothing about. Look at the example of the pandemic, where we have key workers, like the bin workers, who were all of a sudden greedy, where they were key workers 12 months ago when they were carrying the rubbish around. The disgraceful treatment as well of all public sector workers and key workers by the Tories and by the Scottish government when they asked for a decent pay rise. The pandemic that was allowed to rip through society because of their utter failure to deal with that crisis through mass testing, even mass vaccinations. Now we have the vaccine, but at the beginning of the pandemic, through mass testing, with the question of effective, safe, social distancing. It was workers in the workplace, people like Gary and the Royal Mail, who made sure that there was safe social distancing in the sorting offices with Royal Mail. Workers had to walk out of their workplace quite often in Scotland to get basic health and safety, not just in the private sector, the bosses, but also often in the public sector as well. The question of the schools and the question of unsafe opening and even now the question of ventilation. And it raises a question again and again in working class people's minds that they are fundamentally opposed to our interests. They weren't prepared, Boris Johnson, to have the mass herd immunity, to let the bodies pile high. And of course, Nicola Sturgeon, in her daily press conferences, she came across as a lot better than Boris Johnson, not as cruel, not as callous. But what did the Scottish government do? It took the most vulnerable out of the hospitals, into the care homes, spreading the virus to cut costs. And it won't nationalise the care sector. It leaves the majority of the care sector in private hands in Scotland with all of the disasters that can be faced with that. So if you look at every aspect of society, capitalism again and again exposes its rotten nature. The point that Eric made about the need for the new generation coming into struggle to fundamentally struggle to change society. That's why you fight for jobs and comrades like Oshie and the other young comrades. That's why they protested at the Skills Development Scotland. And they said to the SNP and the Greens, who the week before released a programme for government that was supposed to be very radical, which was completely absent on the issue of public ownership of energy, didn't even promise the idea of a mass job creation programme to solve the threat of youth unemployment. I mean, all of the points the comrades have raised about what is needed in society, the question of accommodation for this summit, where you had effectively a speculation bubble over the question of people staying in Glasgow, but also the points that have been made about housing by Chris and others. We went to Skills Development Scotland, you fight for jobs and the Socialist Party, and we said we want a mass job creation programme. We want real, socially useful, publicly owned and created green jobs. What could they be? Well, they could build 100,000 council houses and they could renovate and take properties off the private landlords. They could create jobs as well in renewable green energy, but they refused to do that because it comes up against the limits of the capitalist system. It would mean, wouldn't it, standing up to the Tories, like the Liverpool City Council did under the leadership of Militon, our predecessor, when they said to Thatcher, no more cuts, and they built houses. They created jobs and built leisure centres and actually built parks as well, improving the environment for the working class people in Liverpool. And that's an example of how you can stand up for working class people and fight back. And that's the kind of political alternative that we need to build in Glasgow, across Scotland and internationally as well. We have total faith in the working class. As Tom said earlier, that the working class will move into struggle in the next period there will be almighty battles with all the hell breaking loose. This is just a mere glimpse of what will take place, this radicalisation over the climate. Because it won't just be over the climate. There'll be generalised conclusions drawn. Look at the way the slogans have changed since the beginning of this movement. Not just about system change, but the response to socialist change. But there has to be an organisation there arguing for that in the first place. People won't draw the conclusions by themselves. And that's why we urge people to join the Socialist Party Scotland and the Committee for a Workers International. And the next time there's a demonstration or a strike, you can be with us behind our banner, 
recruiting people, your friends, your workmates, your colleagues, your family, other people in society to socialist ideas. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, Matt. Our hand is over to Mark now. Thanks everyone for coming. I'll say again at the end, my feet are a lot colder actually from the start because they're very wet. So thanks everyone for coming out onto the two demonstrations. I think that at the end of the day, that issue of climate change is not going to go away. And I think that the anger that's there as well is not going to go away. It might come up, bubble to the surface due to different issues, but that anger at the way things are is going to stay. And I think that what's key is the, the need to discuss and debate out what are the ideas which are necessary? What ideas take these movements forward? What demands do we need? What do we need to fight for in order to win? I think that that's particularly important with the climate change. Because there will have been people today who've been marching who will say that they're green, but at the end of the day, those are those same people, which as Harrison said, are at the top of society, making a profit from green energy and electric cars. And in the main, they're not doing that because well, they probably have some ideas that they uh, would like to be environmentally friendly. But because of the nature of the capitalist system, the thing which is driving them to produce those electric cars to then sell to other people is what makes a profit. So you can see that there are all sorts of ideas, all sorts of interests, differing interests, conflicting interests, and interests which are completely opposed to each other. The interests of the bosses and the interests of the workers. Both of those ideas were out there on the demonstration today. And I think that's why we need to be clear, to discuss and to say that we are unequivocally on the side of the working class, that we won't accept any attempts to make the working class pay for this crisis. And like what Tom was saying about the need for collective action, I think that one of the things that made me think of is most workers, most young people want to be able to do something about the climate crisis. I always want to be able to recycle the things which I throw away. But where I live, due to the cuts which have come from the Tories nationally and the lack of a fight back from the local Labour Council, the cuts to services and to facilities have meant that the bins near me, although they've got a one recycling hole and one rubbish hole, both go into the same bin. And you know, that's like a funny example, but at the end of the day, that's what this fight is about. It's the fight for resources. It's the fight for the resources which are necessary in order to stop environmental destruction. And that, that fight for resources, to be able to pour that investment into renewable energy, to be able to rationalize production so that there's not inbuilt obsolescence, so that you have to buy a new phone every two years and you're not allowed to fix it, otherwise it shuts itself off. You can see the sort of the anarchism and the sort of cowboy Wild West nature of, of the capitalist system. And compare that to a rationally planned society where we decide what we actually want. We'll be able to direct investment, direct resources into solving all of our problems. The problems that we have today, but also any problems which come up in the future. And it's clear that the resources are there in society, but they're just in the wrong hands. Look what's happened with the pandemic. The amount of money which has been funneled into big business in order to keep their system afloat. And at some point, the capitalist class are going to want us to pay for that crisis as well. And we need to organise now and fight back. It was workers who took action, as speakers have already said, workers who took action to fight for workplace safety against those very bosses. And that we're going to make them pay. We're going to take the uh, reins off of them and we're going to run society for ourselves, for workers, young people, across the world, not for what makes profit for those at the top. And just to finish, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I think hopefully you'll have come here because you're interested. You're interested in socialist ideas, but not just that. You would like to hopefully take the next step. You see that the need there is to get organised, that we need an organised force in order to be able to fight for those ideas. But there may be many things which you've read, you've heard today, you're not sure of. It's very intimidating to you know, stand up and say, I don't think that was fully correct, or things which you didn't fully understand. And I would encourage all of you to continue to discuss with us, to come to other meetings, other events, but also to join with us, to see us in action, to see that we don't just you know, stand around in rooms and talk a big talk, but at the end of the day, we put our money where our mouth is. Come down with us to picket lines. Come down with us to the protests which we have organised. And at the end of the day, I hope that through those discussions and through seeing us in action, you will make the decision. If you're a socialist, you can't be a socialist without being organised. And to join Socialist Party Scotland and to join the Committee for Workers International. So thanks very much.
Thanks for listening. Uh, Socialism was produced by the Socialist Party, the England Wales section for the Committee for Workers International. Today you heard from Matt Dobson, a member of the Socialist Party Scotland, speaking at the rally in Glasgow, and Mark Best, a member of the Socialist Party here in England Wales, who also spoke just after the protest in Glasgow outside COP26. And this episode was edited by Nick Hart. You can find further reading, some articles around what took place, reports of both the meeting and the Social Party and Social Party Scotland's intervention as part of the Committee for Work International. If you look in the notes in your podcast app and you can get in touch by emailing socialismpodcast at socialparty.org.uk. Our Socialism Podcast relies on funding from our members and supporters. Unsurprisingly, we have no big business backers or adverts which allows us to maintain our political independence. We ain't like GB News or any other news outlet like that. And you can help fund this podcast and you can make a regular donation or one-off payment at socialparty.org.uk forward slash donate. And even more important, if you agree with what you've heard, interesting in finding that more, we want you to get in touch with the Socialist Party and the Committee for Works International. And you can find out more about how you can become a member and join the fight for socialism wherever you are by going to socialparty.org.uk forward slash join. If you live outside England Wales and want to join the fight for socialism wherever you are, contact the Committee for Works International, the international organisation the Socialist Party is part of by visiting socialistworld.net. I hope you enjoyed the pod and see you next time.